0: Right here, we gon' talk about it. Right here, we gon' gonna talk about everything you like. I'm gonna make it real, real clear. It's today's talks, right here. we gon' talk about it, right here. I'm gonna talk about everything you like. I'm gonna make it real, real quick. It's today's talk, and I'm gonna talk about it. Yeah, because it's today's talk, and I'm gonna talk about it. Body, body, body. Hey, hey, welcome to today's talk. Today talks and you listen. Tonight talks is the podcast that entertains and educates. I have a wonderful guest on this week's show. I got the one, the only, Omar Tyree, New York Times best-selling author Omar Tyree. He's super lit. Uh, he's hailing himself these days, these days as the Quincy Jones the social media generation and we're gonna get right into that so uh welcome to the show mr omar tyree how you doing today
1: yeah i'm busy as ever so you know hopefully we can go ahead and rock and roll with it and make everything you know smooth sailing
0: yeah, I can tell you're busy. Like, your social media is insane. You you, you got it on lock, like, when it comes to social media. Like, they tell you when you go to all these little seminars and webinars, the type of posting you need to do to stay relevant, get those numbers up. And you've done that. Since we last have last talked. like, your social media has grown exponentially, like it it, it has doubled since I, I feel like the last time we spoke with each other. Would you say that?
1: You know, the reality is, every time the Shave Room says something about flag growing the coldest winter ever, I get about 2,000 new followers. So, <laughs> realistically, the Shave Room is false, you know, I'm, I'm, I need to go ahead and get a social media manager, you know, at some point to go ahead and get. Cause yeah, I'm not... I try to do what I can, but I'm not from this era. You know what I mean? I'm from the era before social media. So we're still trying to figure it out. And, uh, yeah, you need experts or you need to be totally into it. And I'm more into creating stuff than, you know, doing a social media. But, you know, I'm trying.
0: Well, you, you're doing it. I, I, if you were having difficulties, I wouldn't know it because you, you know, you're doing it like a pro. But like you said, you come from a different era. You know, you can't. You come from the the 90s, late 80s, 90s era. You know, where it was like being in the presence, like you you had to connect actually with the people physically. You know, it was like a raw thing. It wasn't yes. like in the digital I era. Tour all
1: the time. I love touring, going to different cities, seeing the people. You know, so. You know sadly with the pandemic going on right now we, we're like we can't tour you know what i mean so mm-hmm. that the old school method is out and now the new school method is virtual this the social media that taking pictures and zoom and facetiming <laughs> and all that kind of stuff that's the new end particularly with the pandemic we can't you know, be in people's face like we, like we want to be, old school style. You know, so it's really changing.
0: I miss that. I, I call it B.C., you know, remember, you know, B.C. before Christ. But I call it B.C. before coronavirus. It's like a whole new, it's like a whole new world out there, which is it's crazy. Do you think that because of coronavirus, it's going to be the new wave? Like, that's just how we going to interact with each other? It's just going to be Zoom? With- I, I
1: hope not. I hope not. So we gotta wait and see how long it takes for this thing to clear, uh, with the whole uh, vaccine and whatever they come up with, and how much time it takes us to get. I don't know if we can ever be totally normal again. We all gonna gonna be more cautious now about each other, which is sad, but that's just part of the new world. But I hope it won't get totally where with on this video conference stuff instead of you know physical presence. You know what I mean? I I, I hope that's not the case. Cause that really would make a science fiction-looking world more no <laughs> faster, faster than we
0: wanted to, you know. Yeah, it's like, we're, it's like we're in a movie right now, Omar. So to my listeners out there who uh, are not familiar with Omar and to the ones who are, just a little background history, I first fell in love with Omar when I was in the seventh Gray. That's when uh his New York Times bestselling book, Fly Girl, hit the scene. And let me tell you, it was the buzzing in uh my middle school streets, okay? Everybody had the code I mean, not the everybody had Fly Girl, sorry. Uh everybody had uh, Fly Girl. Um I went to Whittier Middle School. And I remember boys and girls were reading this book. It was like once you finished it, uh, the library kept on being out of this book. Like you couldn't check it out. You had to buy it. People was sharing and trading. People was getting in fights if you didn't return it. I mean, it was hot shit, (laughs) okay? And that's when I first... uh, ever even heard of Omar Tyree and he he was endearing to me because his name was Tyree it was T-R-Y-E-E and you know I'm T-Y-E-N-E-E so I was just like you know he bomb (laughs) 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 and so that was around I got exposed to the book in 97 right and let me tell you how the world comes full circle I first came in contact with Fly Girl in 1997 exactly 20 years later and no kidding, in 2017, I met Omar Tyree physically for the first time at the Essence Festival in New Orleans. And I, you you know how y'all be fanning out about like, Trey songs. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm really a nerd at heart. I was fanning out about Omar, like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Omar, oh like, do you know I'm like your biggest fan? And then, as as luck would have it, coming full circle, not only am I a podcaster, I started out as you know a blogger, writer, and at the time I was working for about a year later. I got a, a position, a freelance position with AspireTV.com, a black-owned network, and I had the pleasure to interview Omar Tyree for AspireTV.com um, for the 25-year anniversary of Fly Girl. So it came full circle, Omar. Ain't that crazy? Yeah, good. Good
1: deal. <laughs> thanks for the love, man, Uh Right now, we we got a lot of young people who don't read. You know, they're listening to TikTok, and they're on Facebook and Instagram, and now the readership has gotten lower and lower and lower, you know, as far as what the attention span is, you know, which is sad, but that's the new world that we're in. So we're looking at how many things are changing, uh, how many pros and cons. We can have a whole talk about pros and cons of these been
0: That is crazy. You're right. When you talk about attention span, I read – now, this was – about three years ago now, maybe two years ago now, the average attention span was eight seconds at the time. And that was two years ago, so eight eight second
1: So what what is it now? I I don't know. I have to look that
0: up. It might be 1.5 seconds at at this. You
1: said eight years ago? No. You want to do 15 (laughs) years ago. How many years ago?
0: Two years ago, it was the uh, attention span was at, at eight seconds.
1: Three years ago? Yeah. Uh, so you want to double it up and go six years ago and see what it was then, you know what I mean? See how it's decreasing by the years, you know what I mean? Most, de- wow. it has
0: to be. I mean, if they did some research, even from... 1985 to now I bet I mean it has completely from the 20th century to the 21st century it's it's on a constant decline but you are still keeping yourself relevant you're steeping. you're still able to keep the attention of the old school and the new school uh, Omar and that is a feat because there's a lot of people from your era who are are not relevant. And the fact that you mentioned the shade room still keeping you relevant, people still rocking with you after all these years. What do you think your secret is?
1: It's no secret. It's the book by itself. You know, you guys are keeping it alive. You're keeping it alive by talking about the book. So I just happened to write a book that, you know, transcended the time. And, you know, if I get the chance to do the movie, then we'll do, do it again. Where the young people will have to be actors in the movie. And then i have to show them what we did, what we wore, how we spoke in the 80s you know what i mean in philadelphia so yeah, it's going to keep going as long as i'm able to keep doing things and now i'm doing new projects with young people in music and in so and so i'm going to be employing a lot of young people and putting them on so they're going to know who i am as long as i'm alive as well i'm going to keep doing the you know things to the community that are creative so i'm keeping myself relevant because i want to be you know what i mean That's i have new right. ideas and other ideas that haven't been executed yet and so i still got a lot of work to do
0: that is so dope, Omar. Like you said, I'm relevant because I want to be. So you're venturing into television. Remember, my listeners, he is a New York Times bestselling author, so his number one passion is the writing. So he has ventured into television, film, writing, producing, and and directing classic urban films through um, his entertainment uh, service providing service hot lava entertainment can you tell us a little bit more about hot lava tell me about the name hot lava because when I think of hot lava when I think of lava and hot lava I think about some some motoring hot liquid spilling yeah. into the atmosphere so tell us where you got the name and tell us a little bit more about hot lava entertainment
1: well i'm in aries so that's a fire sign and the planet mars and you think about planet mars and you're already thinking about red and lava and fire and hot you know and so yeah i'm, I'm a fire sign where i'm starting stuff so i'm always original starting stuff i'm not waiting for anybody to give me the okay i'm gonna kick the door down and get it popping. So. Hot lava, you know, we wanted hot music, we wanted hot ideas, so that made sense. And then the lava rolling down the mountain, burning up everything that gets in front of it, it just makes sense, you know. Hot lava entertainment, and then it has that red, uh, the airy fire, you know. So it all, you know, and red was my favorite color. I tried to change it to blue and calm down a little bit. But I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a red fire sign, so there's nothing I can do about it, you know. So for, for years, I tried to change the to blue to be cooler and calmer. But at the end of the day, I'm a red-passionate person in Aries, and that's where that old hot lava thing comes from. The lava is that hot, fiery red that represents the Aries war, and the Aries fire, you know, the planet Mars, you know what I mean? So that's what I am.
0: That's dope. So you said you hot like fire, and you tried to put that fire out, and the fire couldn't be contained. You like the fires out there in Cali. You just can't be stopped. So Omar,
1: well, it, just, it didn't work that way. I, I was trying to do the Hollywood game where other people would be producing and directing and all that. and They would take them out, and it didn't work. You know, they mm-hmm. did, never did the work that they were supposed to do. It just sat out there, you know? So now I'm forced to be the hot red air and do it myself, pretty much like Tyler Perry did, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because, yeah, you know, everybody got their own ideas, their own timetable, table, and you'll be waiting around forever. You know so i'm like yo man i'm tired of waiting for this hollywood machine i got to create my own machine and so that's what i'm doing now And i'm going to invite a whole bunch of young people in and that's what i'm building you know what i mean so knock on wood if i'm able to live for the next 30 years i'm going to be doing projects for the next 30 years with young people and so I, are you going to hear me hear me keep talking about quincy jones because you know his career was similar to mine where he started off as a young jazz producer working mm-hmm. with older jazz producers and they were like, who's this young guy? What do you know about jazz? Mm-hmm. And then he proved himself with the older jazz guys. Then he became an older jazz musician working with young pop guys like my, uh, what's the boy name, uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. And Then he ended up putting on Will Smith. A lot of people forgot about that. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that was produced by Quincy, Quincy Jones. Yeah. You know, so I want to be in that same way where I started off writing books at a young age in my early 20s. And i had a whole lot of older book writers and bookstore owners were like who are you what, what are you doing what do you know about writing books how'd you have a story at this young age and now i'm an older dude at 51 and all of my stories had younger characters in it so to adapt in the film i have to go out there and have relations with young people where i can put them in the film and get them to the respect the work and understand the point of view from you know 20 years ago You know of I with as where it's coming from And I'm not going to update it. I think they need to know their history, know our history. And I think that's fallen by the wayside with a lot of these kids looking at their time as the most important Mm -hmm. and forgetting about the times that we had already. So, you know, and it's crazy to live through that and to see kids have no regard for their own history.
0: That's crazy. We
1: can't allow the kids to do that. We cannot allow them to not have any reference of their own black history. And they so gotta I want know. Them to know what the '80s was like, to know where hip hop came from, know what the community was like, know what we wore, know what we said, because that's a part of your own history. Yeah,
0: you know? and that history shaped our 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 present day right now. Everything moves yeah. in the world, and i and I mean through the world because of hip hop, and that's us. Nobody can take right. that away from us. Everything is hip all the corporations wanna use our lingo. All the corporations wanna put a rap or a hip hop beat to their to their marketing. And the kids need to know it didn't come from that corporation. It came authentically. From us, and I'm just so glad, Omar, that you are in the business of keeping that alive. So you mentioned Quincy Jones, as I mentioned earlier. You uh, call yourself the Quincy Jones of the social gener- social media generation, and you kind of explain that. So I know he's one of your ins- inspirations. Who is inspiring you now? That's a young person. What young person is inspired inspiring you, and why and how is their creativity? and their inspiration affecting you?
1: Well, these guys aren't that young, but uh, Drake (laughs) is in his 30s now, and he's very versatile with his music because I noticed that some people, they have one style of music and they can't adjust and adapt to different beats, uh, different subjects, you know, different styles of music, and Drake is able to do a lot of that musically. I also like LeBron James being an athlete who has a conscience and who's economically astute and you know when he's going to be a billionaire when he finishes playing sports because he already has a lot of things on top that he's doing that include young black people. Mm-hmm. So I love what, uh, what, what Brian James is doing because a lot of athletes become apolitical, they become acultural, and they just become these athletes that are untouchable to the community. And that's ridiculous because they're coming from the black community. So I love when athletes understand that blackness and understand what impact and responsibilities they have to the community that raise them
2: you know mm-hmm. so I,
1: I just get pissed off sometimes where a black community raised a black athlete, and then they turn Willie, Willie knight on you and act like they didn't come from the black community <laughs> the right race, you know so i love what i love what lebron james is doing and what he stands for we need to have more black athletes like him that are thinking about the culture the politics and the economics of black people that's very important you know, so those two dudes, I'm not really inspired, you know, because I'm always doing my own thing, but I like what they're doing. And I hope that they inspire other young black people to do what they're doing, have versatility that Drake has, and to have the uh, cultural and political astuteness that LeBron James has. You know, so those will be two that immediately jump out at me.
0: I love that. You mentioned on your website that there's an urgent need for those with voices and platforms to not only speak out on social media, broadcast news, podcasts, n- national protests, and rallies, but to speak out through original records and in books. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, with the I, defiance I a and time, wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you'll have individuals that'll make comments on that social media, but they won't put it in a record. And the record is going to last longer yeah social media stuff is going to get buried but you can pull up a record. you know what i mean what's going on we can keep pulling up that you know (laughs) right for the love of money we can keep pulling up that record you know strange fruit uh we can keep pulling up that record from billy holiday you know so there's records that you continue to be a part of history but people making comments on social media and twitter and all that kind of stuff you know i look at that as okay all right that's cute. but do a record do a whole album on a social conscious movement like mm-hmm. i just did the last uh summer is an entire album that i just put out on the pandemic and racial injustice that went down this year i wanted more people to be involved in it but we got it done and i'm going to continue to do efforts like that and again you go back to quincy jones and he had a con, uh, a, a big gigantic world song called we are the world mm-hmm. that they did in the 1980s with a whole bunch of singing celebrities that quincy jones organized and wrote And came in there and made sure they did it for the world. And it was Ethiopia at the time, a black nation that was going through a famine. And so those are the kind of things that, yeah, you want uh, individuals to respond to things like that and do things like that on record because it's going to last longer. So everything else they're doing, I look at it as true, but it's not brave enough. You know what I mean? It's not important enough. Do the whole record. Do a whole album. You know, so they, they would impress me with that more. So I'm going to talk about that because those are the kind of things that I'm going to inspire the young people that I work with to do. You know what I mean? I'm going to be right on their behind to make sure that they're socially conscious with the money that they get, with the impact that they have in the community.
0: What is your We Are The World record? You referenced that, and that was a very powerful song. You can, you can play it right now. And it, it resonates. Like you mentioned, strange fruit. You know, we being lynched not by on the trees no more, but we being lynched by the by the bullets, by the cops. So we're still that strange fruit. What what's your we are the world? What's your strange fruit? What song is that, you know, mimics the time are you and that was about
1: coming you coming from me or something that I heard from someone else? For you, this. something
0: that you've created, like, is there an album of okay, a, a well, the
1: album, right now, the people love the No Bang Bang song. It's a K 10 song. I actually wanted uh, Damien Jr. going Marley, the son of Bob, to do the song. But again, when you're in this climate, man, everybody has their own ideas about what they want to do. And this book writer from Philadelphia, you know, how's he going to tell a Marley to sing a song for him? You know what I mean? But I'm like, it's not for me, dude. It's for the entire world. Because mm-hmm. coming from you being a Marley, you know, and of course he had that song, uh, Jam Rock. Welcome to Jam Rock. And so I wrote it in that guise of his voice. But, you know, he didn't want to do it at the time. I couldn't get through to his people. And they turned it down and doing other things. I said, look, man, I can't have a song that's just hot, just sitting around. So I did it myself, you know, mm-hmm. with the reggae voice and the whole nine. It's called No Bang Bang. It's on the album right now in the last summer. And people love that song. It's batting a thousand.
2: <laughs> Nobody
1: doesn't like it. Everybody likes that song. But again, <laughs> I don't have the impact that Damien Jr. going have in music, you know? So I got to push that thing, put money behind it. He could come right out with that thing and do a world tour.
2: Mm-hmm. And so those are
1: the kind of things that, you know, again, when you feel like hopeless and powerless, but I don't want to be around kids that I can't influence in that way to do things that are big, you know? So I got a 19 year old kid right now on the same album uh, the last summer. He got a song called The Miracle, and he didn't want to do that song because when you call for a miracle, you have to call out to God. And, you know, all these kids want to be fake gangsters and fake studio pimps and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So they don't want to be calling out to God for help. But I was like, look, dude, we in a pandemic. We in racial injustice. We don't know if the world's going to end tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So we need a miracle. We, all we to shall do. right right now." You know, but these kids are still talking about, the girls are talking about their genitalia in every song, and the (laughs) guys are big gangsters and big thugs. It's ridiculous. And that's how they make their money, and they know they're wrong, but they do it because they say that's what people want to listen to. I've been hearing kids say this for the last 10 years, if that's what people want to listen to so they're not even giving you what they really feel mm-hmm. they're giving you what they think you want to listen to So oh, that's wow. just the biggest of a cop out the biggest of a sellout but you're not really giving them pure art you're giving them what you think they want give the people what they want so if they want poison you're going to give them a whole can of poison it's ridiculous but that's where these kids heads are right now and that's why i'm trying to impact them as an old head with the conscience
0: I love that, and we need more old, old heads like you to be brave enough to empower the young people to follow their passions and not do what, like you said, what the people think they want, and, and instead, you're encouraging them to do what it, what's in their heart, and, you know, and right, like you right. said, what's in their heart, what they, what they don't realize is they're going with the fad, you're right, and they're and going with needed. a fad, so... Ten yeah. years from now, I might not want to listen to a song about genitalia, but <laughs> I'm still gonna be trying to listen to what's going on. And and yeah. Marvin Gaye sang that from his heart. So I'm glad that you're out there, you know, telling the youth like it's okay to be you. Like you said, like you wrote "Fly Girl," and that was in your heart, and that is in your spirit, and that and it's been it's been going for thirty. Twenty plus years now, almost thirty years. It was
1: all about it was all about the the materialism, the fast living, all the things that they're involved in. Now I wrote about what 1993 that book first came out, so that's Mm -hmm. almost uh, thirty years now. We hit the 2023, it'll be thirty years, and it's still relevant because it made sense. You know, we would like fly and start selling drugs and all kind of stuff. And it was like, yo, what are we doing here? You know, <laughs> capitalism took a hold of the urban community and it's still doing that now. You know what I mean? These kids, you know, spending all that money trying to look fly. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of putting behind stuff that can really last and do move for the community. You know, how many cars can you buy? You know, what's that thing? Uh, what's the name? 21, Savage 21. Yes. I love that song. How many? How many guys How many? Things? You know, it brings <laughs> to the point. Like, how many of this stuff do you need?
0: It's full relevant. Like, how many? You know, do you <laughs> why, you need, why you need Why you need know, all of that? So you mentioned yeah. earlier that, you know, when you were talking with Damien, you know, you really got to convince people, because you're transitioning yeah, you over the, to music, and they're like, "How how is this author going to be in music? How are you, what's your pitch? Like, how are you letting people know that I'm not only an author? I'm so versatile. I do, I do music. I produce this. How are you? You got to
1: keep doing it. I got to keep doing it because right now I have four albums that I've done. The monologues has a soundtrack. That's the movie that's out right now on Amazon.com uh, and Amazon Prime Video, actually. And that back on soundtrack is phenomenal because I picked music behind each person's talking that was right on point and excellent. You did a heck of a job mixing it. I got my first album, Rising Up, that I did in 2002 from Hot Lava. And then I did a soundtrack album from a book I got called Cold-Blooded. You know, college girl falls to a woman and hitman, which I was talking about our fetish for these thug dudes. And we <laughs> continue to, to, to fall for thug dudes and then push the good dudes aside. You know, he was ridiculous. And so i have always writing about things that are meaningful. And I've been doing music for a minute, but you have to have marketing capital. You have to have successful hits for people to know about it. So I just got to keep doing it until I can finally get them hits. And then they'll look at my whole backlist and say, wow, he had good sums years ago, but it's hard to get them out there when you need a whole truckload of money to make sure that they get the airtime that they need, you know? So that's what I'm working on now, getting that truckload of money, four or five truckloads, <laughs> because you need it for positivity. Positivity has to have as much money as negativity, and we're always giving negative stuff the money. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, who gets the money and who doesn't. And so I need truckloads of money to I can continue doing what I need to do for the positive, progressive, uplifted people, starting with these young people, so they can teach the people coming up under them what they need to be thinking about and doing. So we can't leave these kids alone and let them, you know, do whatever they do because you got to understand the next generation is coming after them. And if they don't hear any balance, mm-hmm. if they don't hear any positivity, if they don't hear any history, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to be the bottomless pit. Get out of there. A bottomless no pit. They're,
0: gonna, they're little. It's like they're oh, little zombies. Goodness. How are the young people res- receiving you uh, in Philly and around the world?
1: You know, again, I got to keep going because a lot of them don't know me. They know the rapper
2: people. Mm-hmm. And
1: the rapper people are doing what I told you they're doing. They're talking about their genitalia, fake gangsters, fake pimps, fake thugs, and the whole nine. So <laughs> they know them people. They don't know me yet. And so they have to get to know me, but I have to utilize the young people for them to get to know me because they're going to follow the young people who I'm going to put in movies, who I'm going to put in songs, who I'm going to be, you know, the big brother to. They're not going to be looking at me until they see me doing for the younger people that they idolize. And that's just what it is. So I understand that. That's why I keep bringing up Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones wasn't singing a song. He wasn't (laughs) acting in the movie. He was the one that was orchestrating the the, the production of it that made sure we were on point with it. You know what I mean? He was the dude behind it. And so we know him because he was doing all those things in the background. You know, we knew that Quincy Jones again. So I want to be the same way because, for the most part, these young people, 8 years old, 10 years old, they ain't looking at no 50-year-old man. They looking at the 21-year-old kid. And I understand that. And so I have to be in business with them.
0: I like that. That you you want to be the orchestrator. You want to be the composer, and, and you want to put. You need to put right. the they young people.
1: Me, they don't want to hear me doing my thing. At least in America. Now, <laughs> once you leave America, nah, seriously. Once you leave America, Africa will still accept you with your age. Uh, the Caribbean will still accept you in your age. Canada, will still, America. We are on this age thing, man. That is it, crazy. Well, you go to other 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 uh, uh, cities and other countries or whatever, not cities, but other countries, they don't have an issue with age as much as America does. Yeah. We are the ones in capitalism who are strong about on age because the young people are so cute. Look at that. Oh, my God. And, mm-hmm. and, and we just get all tore up and out of pieces with these young people. And then when the old person dies you too old, sit down. You know yeah, the yeah. that in America. Ageism is
0: real as America, and in other cultures, getting old and elderly is an honor you know to be older mm-hmm. to be wiser to have more wisdom so i'm glad omar that you're sharing your wisdom with us you really get it that's one thing that we push in my household about how capitalism is destroying the black community and it really is destroying america unless you're in that top one percent so you really get it omar yeah. um so what is the next film that you're working on? You said earlier that you're going to be employing a lot of the young people, you need to employ me. That's what I'm, I'm trying to get on. So, what's your next <laughs> big <laughs> what's your next big film project? Because you know I'm an actress too. That's, that's in my little well, repertoire. you, are,
1: you are already doing the media thing, so I'm going <laughs> to need media players all over to keep telling the stories of what we're doing. The next movie, right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I've been living for 20 years, is called Money Talks louder and Mm. that's what's going on right now. Money is talking louder than any social responsibility, any community thing, any history, any charity. It's all about the bag, the bag, the bag. That's all these kids talk about now. And so in this movie, we got a college girl who runs out of money in her senior year school Mm. and she's terrified of the statistics that you know when you run out of money, a lot of times these kids get a regular job and then try to come back to school. And sometimes it takes them three or four years to get back in school. Mm-hmm. And then some of them never go back. And so she's terrified of that to the point where she's like, I gotta find me some money fast. And you know McDonald's ain't gonna pay for college. So nah. she gotta find some money. And so she ends up calling up one of her girlfriends she went to high school with who deals with all the street stuff, all the street hustle. And she's like, how can I make some money? So now she got the game center to the strip club and the sugar daddies and the drug dealers and all kind of stuff. To try and make fast money. And so now I get to run this college girl through all that street life nonsense so we can see how ridiculous we get for money. <laughs> money talks <laughs> about it. And um, uh, again, it's on point. I always come up with stuff that's on point. And that's what it is. We want the education, we want the long money, but we run out of and can't get it back. But the negative people can get all kind of money. It's ridiculous. And that's so crazy. Right in the middle of that, so we can see how hard it is to get money when we're doing the right thing.
0: Money talks louder sounds very salacious. <laughs> that is, sounds like something that I would definitely want to read. Cause I went to college with girls like that that you're that you're referring to. Like yeah. I, I, happened. I started off at a an HBCU and you know, there was a girl that ended up getting strung out on crack. And this was in the early 2000s. I was very shocked that a person could get strung out. Uh, in the wow. or in, in the two thousand, you know, it wasn't like it was eighty six. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and, the, and what, the
1: was it opium? Was it pills and stuff? Because that's the new thing that these kids were on. You know, the whole pills. You know what I mean? The whole. You know, downers and stuff. What, what kind of uh? No, this young—I
0: went to college in in the early two thousands. I went to college in two thousand three. This young lady got on crack cocaine. <laughs> That's okay, what she. Wow, was <laughs> cocaine was still there. Crack, yeah, crack yeah, was I still out here in these streets. Yeah,
1: I remember they <laughs> transitioned into these pill things that they were doing. You know, because you know, crack was part of my era in the early eighties, late eighties. Yeah. That's why was yeah, I was, you know, was in shock.
0: Yeah, I was in shock that I didn't
3: know it was still around in the two thousands.
0: I couldn't believe wow. it either. I was like, "Wow, who still does that?" Like we saw what it did. So, but a lot of the young ladies end up started stripping. You know, stripper culture came real. Pre- right. You know, it was always around. But when I went to college, that's what the girls were doing. And I just felt like it was an excuse for something that they wanted to do. They kept on saying, "You know, I got to pay for school," and you know, they end up spinning off into that that life. So I imagine it. And money talks louder that the, that the main character is gonna get entangled in a lot of craziness, you know, You know to yeah. try to... Um, yeah, that's
1: all the matter. But yeah. then I get a chance because you can really see that struggle, you know what I mean? Because I don't have no character. I can tell you now, she ain't going to get swung out, but she's going to be around people where you're like, what in the hell are you doing? <laughs> she's going to be doing <laughs> things where you're like, what in the hell, so these kids can see, because they idolize that nonsense and soul, they idolize, but they don't feel it. And so when I do movies, I want you to feel it, so you get it like, wow. And that's how they felt fly or They felt it like, wow. You see what I'm talking about? When yeah. I start doing these movies, I want them to feel it. It ain't entertainment. It's cultural art where you feel it and you walk out that theater like, damn. You know what I mean? He done changed my mind on some things. You told me? Because right now they keep idolizing his nonsense.
0: So The Money Talks Louder, that's not a book. That's going to be the next film, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm doing original films right now because when you do original films, you're not thinking about these gigantic ideas that cost a lot of money. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about simple ideas that I can shoot in simple ways. So yeah, that's why it's not a book. It's straight to film. And you know what's funny when you ask me that, People have this idea that, you know, I'm only going through my book content as if I don't know how to write it anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm still a writer. I'm not like stuck on my books, like I got to go back to 1998 or something. And right. I'm like, yo, it's ideas
0: around us every single day. I'm still a writer. Every so,
1: day, I don't B. I And go back to anything. Yeah, and, the,
0: and the best I'm book writing. writers are the best script writers because you, you the thing is, you're a storyteller and you're bringing those stories to right. life. And we're going to be able to see it on the on the big screen. Right. I remember last time we talked. You said if you were able to bring Fly Girl to film, you wanted Yara Shahidi to play uh, Tracy. Yeah. Yara Shahidi. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, she's dope. Who do you want to be the lead, ideally, if you could have the pick of the litter to be the main, uh, the, the the main girl character in Money Talks Louder? Oh, I already got
3: a girl right here,
1: uh-huh. Lil Walker is right here. She's in the monologue's movies, Black Beauty.
2: Okay. She's a dark-skinned
1: girl, and she impressed the hell out of me with that. And so again, I'm a guy that I'm not chasing after analytics and some girl or a rapper that went, well, nah. I got people right here who can do the job that I'm going to blow up. And so I already put her on the song. I got a song called The Frontline. Line where Lil Walker's Walker's doing the hook. I need to see you on the front line. You got money, Put it on the revolution. That's hey. in the video. You can go to Frontline video. The Lil Walker's right there. She's going to be the star of Money Talks Louder. I'm not chasing around people. not going out to Hollywood. I'm right here in Charlotte giving the opportunity to a Charlotte girl who's already a model, already a singer, already a dancer, already, a dancer, already acting in the song, and hungry we 24. That's what you need to do. You so what I'm talking about? I know. I love that. that. right here <laughs> in Charlotte. Because she can do the job. Hollywood would tell you, nobody wants to share. Nobody. I'm like, no, it's normal people. I want to see it. Elevate again so we can get the normal life thing, not these people that's doing all kind of ridiculous stuff to get these numbers and whatnot, and then going to act like the ego head case when I got to negotiate with them, because that's what they do. I got such and such followers. You need to pay me more than that. Oh, you need to get me water and coffee, so you need to massage my toilet. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. You got all this power because you take little sexy pictures on Instagram, and you're going to try to discredit what I've done? <laughs> so we got to look at how this the, is The uh,
0: mitigated goal.
1: Yeah. So I'd rather put on a kid who's hungry and working than some of these head cases that we create now with this analytics stuff.
2: Yeah. You know, I'd rather
1: have a person right now and humble humble say, Omar. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Whatever you need me to do in the community, I'm there. That's what I'm trying to build. You know, not buying kids who already got numbers and got these big heads. And, oh, if you want me to tour for you, you got to take me extra. Talk to my manager. You would be surprised at what these kids are coming up with. Now, I'm like, what? Do I? I just, you know, I don't want to feed into that super ego thing that we're feeding into now with this analytics stuff. So I'm going to go the opposite and pick people that I know can do the job, whether they got analytics or not, because I want to be one that gives them opportunities.
0: Well, y'all heard it. Y'all heard it here. The old head speaks and ain't nothing more to say. Uh, I want to thank you, Omar, for coming on the show. Thank you for telling us about your new projects. Make sure you send me that stuff so I can put it on, you know, Tanae Talks so they can know about your new projects the last summer rising up cold blooded the no bang bang song i'm gonna have to download it and of course money talks louder omar gave me the front line song i'm gonna play it at the end of the show uh but i know omar has to go i gotta kind of head out of here so i'm gonna play that in the end uh omar you want to give a shout out before you uh, uh before i let you go on this lovely afternoon well you
1: talked about Talked about social media, so I got to be there. Instagram is the hottest now, so that's where you guys can follow me. And my Instagram is only number one, Omar Tyree. Omar is O M A R T Y R E E, instead of your N E E. And that's only one Omar Tyree on Instagram, that's where you can follow me to get my analytics up because people always feed into that. (laughs) You still still got to do it whether
0: you hate it or not.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you got to deal with it. So yeah, follow me on Instagram and see all the young people that I'm going to put on because I'm going to continue to put young people on as long as I'm alive. But you got to be talented, you got to be hungry, and you got to respect your elders because you're not going to come around me and treat me like I'm some um, some step style or some, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. The, the uncle that ain't got no, you ain't doing that to me. I grew <laughs> up the right way with coaches, father figures, uncles, and grown men who wouldn't allow you to do that. And I ain't going to allow nobody to do me that way. I
0: love it. And don't forget to uh, go visit. Uh, Omar's website, www.hotlavaentertainment.com where you'll be able to see that he just ain't talking about it. He's about it, that he is actually the Quincy Jones of the social media generation. And he's going to put the young people on. Omar, as always, per usual, it was a pleasure talking to you. You know, I'm still one of your number one fans. I love you to pieces. And, uh, All right. oh, yeah. And, and before you go, Omar, I'm going to hook you up with uh, someone that's been helping me with that whole, you know, analytics and impressions. Uh, her name is Ebony Gibson. Uh, I'm going to, you know, if you don't mind me giving her your information, and she can actually help you boost that, that thing that you need Thank to, you, to get, you know, Thank get you, you going. So I, I got you. I respect you always and forever. As I told you last time, you are black royalty, and I'll never forget you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. We're going to keep doing interviews and you're going to be part of the team. You got to keep pushing it out there because we got to be able to fight that negative with the positive every step of the way.
0: All right. You have a wonderful day.
1: You too. Bye. Do it. Bye.
0: All right, guys. Again, thanks again to Omar Tyree for being a guest on the Tonight Talks podcast podcast he just wanted to come on and let us know all the great things he's doing he spoke a lot about the things that are you know destroying our community capitalism is destroying the black uh, community but we can make a change through our art through our voices and through our various platforms be sure that you check out money talks louder and make sure you get a chance to watch the monologues on amazon.com available for your watching pleasures at the end of the i'm gonna play that single he was referring to uh, the front lines but now it's time for the headline ho of the week don't be a headline ho read the article because y'all know y'all be reading the article y'all just be out here reading headlines and whatnot so today's headline ho goes out to y'all know uh President Donald J. Trump, y'all president out here, and the headline actually comes from his Twitter account. Uh, Your homeboy said, my administration, excuse me, my admin has done more for the black community than any president since Abraham Lincoln... He says he passed Opportunity zones with Senator Tim Scott, guaranteed funding for HBCUs, school choice, passed criminal justice reform, lowest black employment poverty and crime rates in history. Okay. The lies you tell. Okay. (laughs) And let me get to the the article that's going to dispel that headline, ho, because child, won't they try it? And we'll so let's actually get the facts this comes from usa today was published on october 23rd under donald trump the headline is under donald trump black americans continue to trail whites in employment and home ownership at thursday night's final debate between donald trump and former vice president joe biden trump once again boasted that he was the best president for black Americans since Abraham Lincoln. The lies you tell. I got Max in the studio. She looking like the unmitigated gall of this. All right. But has the Trump administration actually made black lives better? I think not. While Trump typically touts that African Americans have achieved historically low unemployment under his watch, their jobless rate has spiked. Okay. I know several people out of a job. Thank God I got a job. Their jobless rate has spiked during COVID-19 related economic downturn and remains nearly twice that of the whites. Okay. <laughs> child, don't get me started. Home ownership rates for African-Americans continue to dramatically, drama, honey, dramatically trail that of other groups. Okay. So how you help a child? And black women have less savings to get them through these lean times. And I can attest to child moving forward. How? Here's how black Americans fare when comparing some markers of financial stability and success. Unemployment three years into the Trump administration, African-Americans experienced a record low unemployment rate of 5.4% four percent in august 2019 but the economic downturn sparked by the coronavirus pandemic Side note that that nigga calls um, Has erased millions of jobs And reversed that historic decline Race matters Unemployment benefits Racial disparity And jobless aid grows As Congress stalls On a COVID-19 stimulus Stocks are a mixed bag Stocks are mixed on Wall Street As more earnings come in In September 12.1% of black Americans Were out of work Compared to 7% of whites 10.3% of Latinos. Latinos. Latinos, and 9.9% of Asians. Did y'all hear that? You heard it right. 12% of black Americans were out of work. We the highest on the totem pole. Additionally, the job gains black Americans experienced before the economic downturn were often in positions that paid low wages, making it harder to build up the savings and benefits needed to stay afloat during tough times. Homeownership. Owning a home is a critical building block for wealth, providing equity, that can help pay for college and launch a business or give a financial leg up to future generations. But a history of racist policies from redlining and blocked African-Americans from getting loans to restrictive covenants, combining many black Americans to crowded, underserved neighborhoods, have hindered their ability to purchase and hold on to property. Home ownership for black Americans ticked up slightly this year, but still... <laughs> Still, significantly lags behind whites. The national home ownership rate for white households was 73.7% the first three months of the year, up from 73.2% during that period in 2019, according to an analysis of census data by the real estate brokerage firm Redfin. But only 44% of black households owned a home in the first quarter, up from 41% in 2019. Savings black women who likely who like many of their peers are often breadwinners are struggling to cover basic necessities during the pandemic with 48% saying they are un- unable to pay for necessities like food and housing according to a survey commissioned by the Time Ups Foundation and conducted by the firm Perry Undim Many have also been unable to build a financial cushion with 55% of black women saying they have less than 2 hundred dollars saved and lastly stocks Trump often points to a soaring stock market as evidence that the economy remains strong, even amid relatively high unemployment. But black households are less invested in the stock market than their white counterparts. Just 33.5% of black households owned stocks last year, according to data from the Federal Reserve. Meanwhile, almost 61% of white households participated in the stock market. Black Americans may have less money to invest in equities, experts say in centuries of discrimination have made some wary of assets that aren't more tangible and again this article comes from USA today so again don't be a headline ho. Read the article and check the date. And that was, that's that on that. So again, thank you for rocking with me, today Talks. Remember today Talks and you listen, the podcast that educates and entertain. I'm going to close out today's show with an artist from, hot, uh, from Omar Tyree's Hot Lava Entertainment called Frontline.
3: You been hearing any new songs on um what's been going on out here?
4: Nah, no, not on the radio. Maybe some underground worker from my old school guy some.
3: Mm. So I guess you need to start this fire then.
4: All right, I got you. When you gon' meet me on the front line? We got a rally at the courtroom. We meet up at night. When I'ma see you on the front line? Stop playing, this is serious. We running out of time. When you gon' meet me on the front line? To see you on the front line. You got money, put it on the revolution. They say politics ain't they
3: style. So they waiting for J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar to do it. You ain't black, cuz you ain't going through it. You got nothing to say and nothing to write. You rather freestyle and smoke the whole night. And these young boys be like it's not my style. OG, we rap about the bag, the girls jewelry. And at times like these, they go. Waiting in lines at the mall for PlayStation They ain't ready for this life for real This ain't the time to chill, it's the time to get busy I've been writing for the people since Puffy and Biggie Yeah. When you
4: gon' meet me on the front line We got a rally at the courtroom We meet up at nine. When I'ma see you on the front line Stop playing, this is serious We running out of time When you gon' meet me on the front line We need to stop racing to see you on the front line. You got money, put it
3: on the revolution. Now, all this talk about a damn flag. But a flag don't breathe a flag don't bleed, a flag don't grow seeds, and a flag. Shot down or die Cool breeze must have been high I like the guy Now we got a moment to teach So let me preach And reach the ones Who got hard ears in here A flag ain't nothing But a symbol of colors Often used when people Are killing each other With fathers, cousins, uncles Friends and brothers And now you gotta teach your sons Don't be the next
4: one When you gon' meet me on the front line We gotta rally at the courtroom We meet up at night. When I'ma see you on the front line When you gonna meet me on the front line we need to stop racism as an institution i need to see you on the front line you got money put it on the revolution so what's the solution to
3: our problems we got doing. a lot of issues out here how we gonna solve them you ask me i say it starts with the cash yep. flow put your money where your mouth is you know yep. analytics say the hood got plenty of Gotta tell your kids, no no no, you can't just perform no more on your show. I want park place and the boardwalk, I want Pennsylvania Ave and the railroad. Man, all I really need is a chance, yo. And I collect more cash when I pass go. So I can build my own kitchen for my gumbo. And I'ma cook barbecue shrimp, pineapple shrimp, coconut shrimp so own job that's
4: what when I'm you gonna meet to me to on the front line, line. we got a rally at Get the courtroom. we meet up at night when I'ma see you on the front line stop playing this is serious we're running out of time when you're gonna meet me